Today's guest was named as one to look out for in 2018 Forbes 30 Under 30. He started as a security guard and now leads a community of riders and a safe border. Meet rapper Thompson Ricky, co-founder and director of Safe Border. In today's episode of Meet the CEO, Ricky Rapper Thompson talks about the space to make mistakes and innovation and why we need to see more exits on the continent. He also talks about education curriculum overhaul and why countries should be more supportive of their homegrown companies. From over a thousand cities and 126 countries, Care Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Meet the CEO is brought to you by Digital Africa, helping African solutions emerge. Who is rapper Ricky Thompson? My name is Ricky. I'm rapper Thompson, co-founder and director of Safeboarder. Safeboarder, as we speak today, is Uganda super app. It's the number one riding of motorcycle taxi in Africa. It's a local initiative that was born from chairman of Kampala, Uganda. And it's created um, opportunities for many other people, of course, including myself. And it supported the different communities that we continue to work with, um, the riders, um, class, um, the agents, and Another and the rest of the other communities that we we also serve, including as well um, our customers. Talk to us about Safe Border and what it's been like from ideation to what it is currently. From the time when we started Safe Border, of course, one of the key questions would be, uh, and that people kept on asking us is why an app for a border. And as a business, we spent um, close to three years trying to make sure that we build a strong community. And we, of course, did build a very strong community that customers believed in, that the population believed in that it was the best um, for the industry. And around uh, 2018, we launched a functional, around 2017, 2018, we launched an app um, that was very functional, that was um, very supportive to the market. Um, and that um, that allowed us to serve the different uh, communities that we'd been engaging with um, for already quite some time. What are some of the biggest challenges in your space? As a startup, it's been quite um, a tough journey. Key challenges that we do not only face, that, but every other person faces in this sector, I think there are only three. Um, one of it is regulation. Um, the second one is funding. Um, and the third one is talent. Um, usually these three helps um, every single startup to either succeed or makes it much more difficult for every startup who is in that area to either struggle or spend more for them to be able to succeed, or it delays um, your success as a startup, um, depending on where you are. In Uganda, we have a very big problem where we have lots and lots of graduates, thousands of them. I think you have around 4,000 graduates coming out of different universities every year. And... uh, (laughs) Very good cases where people tell you, I am a graduate, I have a degree, um, but I'm willing to do anything. It's really unfair to the education sector. It's really unfair to the parents who make this investment towards making sure that they prepare their children and set them for a better foundation that even after 16 years of, um, of back-to-back education and studies, um, nonstop, a child can, or the, the presumed adult cannot um, 
cannot support themselves because they don't have tangible skills to offer. So one of the key problems that, that we've identified is that, and we usually say that um, one is this need for revision on the entire curriculum that is being taught at different universities uh, or institutions across the country. That's one. Two is that even before that is done, we need to get the academia and the business community, the people in the private sector, on the same table with the guys who are training um, the talent we actually need because the lack of um, roundtable discussion, the line of factual research that informs what is to be taught in the different universities creates the gap that we are seeing right now that you have many people um, coming out of universities with no skills that we actually require, especially in the sector that we that we are in or that, that they come out with skills that are not consumable in the private sector, and that's a very big um, disaster. Uh, the second issue um, is regulation, and um, myself plus other 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 entrepreneurs have also been very vocal about these issues. Um, that um, some of the regulations that are being made by our government is very disastrous. It is anti-progress. It is anti-innovation. It is anti-startup. It is anti-young people. Um, and I will give you key examples. One of them came from the mobile money tax. Um, it was one of those taxes that were not necessary, and it has had its effect um, on the ground. A second one, another example I want to give you, which is also very disappointing, is our own government blocking Facebook. This is a direct attack on technology. This is a direct attack to our investors, the guys who appreciate and believe on technological growth and technological investment. And um, and these guys talk to each other. They hear, their ears are on the ground. They know what's happening. It is bad um, that we have Facebook still blocked up to date. And, um, and it's bad that probably government is being advised or some key people in government sees Facebook as a threat to this country. Let's talk about local investment and why it is important to build that muscle on the continent. You know, we have businesses that we are proud of, you know, like Safe Water. But we don't have any local investor who has invested in us. It's bad. Because now, and for me, sadly, is that we are building something from Chebando, Kampala, Uganda, um, which is supposed to be fully owned by Ugandans. But because our investors here only understand cement and bricks and they, they only want to build skyscrapers, they only want to invest in maybe goats and cows and um, and, uh, and, uh, and and that's, that's a big problem. And also part of the biggest problem is that we don't have successful entrepreneurs who have been able to exit, who have be actually been able to become millionaires or billionaires from the sector who can come boldly and say, you know, I'm investing in this sector. So that's quite a big issue. Um, because if you have these investors who only choose to invest in cows, goats, and and cement and bricks and and, and apartments, um, and they don't they don't appreciate technology, this directly means that we will have to pay a cost because we are not working towards that, but we are working against um, against that. So investment is a very serious issue, and um, I've also been very disappointed by some of the government interventions. You know. People say, ah, there's funding here, there's funding here. But some of this funding is just um, as nice as, as they sound um, on the media, but on reality on ground is not true. And some of the biggest issues that we have is that some of the people controlling the funding are also very angry of funding their own interests as well. And that creates a bigger disaster. And I'm talking about the mastermind, uh, the big bull in the house. That's corruption as well. Um, and it makes it difficult even for other young 
um, entrepreneurs to access some of this funding. I've, I've had a conversation with people who have tried to go through the process. It just doesn't sound realistic. I think the only funding that people can receive here is probably if you want to build a big hotel and there are uh, investors or there's a meeting that, that is going to happen, I think you can easily receive money. Um, if you really want to do like agriculture, I think they could easily buy for you a tractor and stuff like that. But um, in our space, I don't know anyone who will receive like a million dollars from government. And the lack of funding locally becomes a very big problem. Um, and, you know, we don't have seed funding. We don't have funds for people to make mistakes. Um, because in this space, there's a lot of learning that continues to happen. We need a heavy investment. We don't want anyone to tell us that you come for $20,000. No, we want someone to tell us come for $20 million. If you want to build a competitive product, if you want to build a product that is not only going to um, survive in Uganda, but a product that is going to take over Africa. We need real cash, like real money um, for us to really, really um, start on the global platform and, you know, raise up the flag. Except what has done its part, we've been in almost every other platform. Um, we are proud to also say, like, Google made its first investment in Africa in surf border. Alliance from Germany also made its first investment in surf border. And uh, we receive receive support from all over the world, but somehow we are not receiving the kind of support that we actually need from our own local people. Your investors include Google and Allianz. What is the part of securing funding from such world-renowned brands? I can tell you totally that <laughs> accessing funding outside Uganda is not a joke. It is a very serious problem, um, and it's extremely competitive. Um, We've been able to navigate that and we've had support from like over 20 um, investors or firms across across the world. But it's not been an easy task. And I doubt if there's another young Ugandan will be able to do that because the team that helped us do that were a very special team and we were lucky at the time. Um, so it's been very, very difficult. Um, very, very difficult. And we really don't think that other young entrepreneurs um, can be able to go through that. We're a team of three people, and one of our um, one of our uh, one of the the self founders was only doing exactly that, looking for funding, and that was really really tough. So it's not. I mean, you talk to any 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 entrepreneur, they will tell you how hard it is, and raising fund is a full time is a full time job, and in a sector where you don't have investors who have actually invested and um and uh, and have successful story it's so hard it's so hard um that every time you have to explain where uganda is what is it about uganda why they should invest in uganda um and of course now you have a story like safe border you can refer to but before safe border we don't we didn't have any story um most of the investors like alliance made his first investment in safe border google made his first investment in safe border plus the rest of the investors they are making their first investment um, in in East Africa or in Uganda um, um, in a local farm, and it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's really, really a lot of work. The amount of due diligence and the kind of due diligence we went through is not anyone I would wish for any um, local entrepreneur because I can tell you strategically that even. For example, if you have to have your book audited, you can only work with firms like Deloitte. Um, you can only work with firms like KPMG. And it's almost not affordable for a local firm. I'm not saying these firms are expensive, but it's really, it's really, it's, you, you get to realize that the quality and um, the kind of expectation and the kind of due diligence that we went through were insane. They were really tough. 
Um, and I think we're still going through that. But for us, of course, at this stage, um, it's much more easier because we are a little bit more structured. We have um, a very strong team, highly trained team. If you are just, if maybe it's only me and you, and we have to go through this um, intensive um, due diligence, um, maybe it would be much more um, difficult. So you get to realize that a lot of young people try to access funding, um, but then during the process of due diligence, they fail to provide the different information that, that, that is actually needed because some of this actually comes with uh, with a the cost. They are not actually free. It's not because you cannot you cannot get this information, but probably you need more funds um, and you need to make more investment or you need um, special groups or like um, uh, you need a firm um, that will cost you more money because I can't tell you totally you need a few thousand of dollars to hire um, this global uh, firms to to probably put your books in, in order. How best can you be supported to solve real challenges in communities? Some of the issues that um, exist, especially even in our different communities, requires um, um, close partnership with government and government um, institutions and functions. And um, But somehow, sometimes you get to realize that a partnership with some government institutions become really, really tough. I want to give you an example of some of the things that we are trying to work on right now. Of course, we have done all the training for our border riders, but you know those border drivers have also got their children um, and they also have their, their wives that needs to be supported because um, most of their wives, 90% of their wives are not employed, right? And, um, and we think that uh, government, and I'm aware that government has got a very special program that they're running all over the country to, uh, to train um, um, young people with real life skills that would take them out of unemployment and help them to become job creators and probably get into active uh, job creation as a career. And we think that some of these programs could be implemented in close partnership with us um, who have got a community that, strongly be, that, that we closely work with um, that also strongly believes in, um, in our perspective about how certain things are supposed to be done. So I think really um, the, the best thing I would ask is government or the different functions of government um, being more willing and more open to closely work with us. And what does the expansion plan look like? We are not building a product for only Ugandans. We are building a, um, a product for Africa um, as a continent. And, um, and because we know that um, the African market is flooded with lots of borders, this is, and you have like over 10 million borders across Africa. Um, so we know for sure that, you know, border border is in Kampala, border border is in Bujumbura, Border border is in Nairobi. Border border is in 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 Khartoum. Is in South South Sudan. Border border is in Nigeria, and we want to make sure we are able to provide this unique approach to monitoring and controlling and providing safety option for people who want to move um, um, in its cities um, using border borders in a much more safe and decent way. Mm-hmm. So we are ambitious that we are building a product for Africa, um, not only for Uganda. And a quick look at the markets. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The current account deficit in South Africa widened to 160.7 billion rand in the second quarter of 2023 from a downwardly revised 63.7 billion rand in the prior quarter, but below market expectations of 178.4 billion 
shortfall. This is the largest current account gap in quarter three 2019 as the trade surplus fell significantly to 31.1 billion rand from 110.6 billion rand in quarter one due to a rise in merchandise imports and a decline in goods exports. At the same time, the shortfall on the services, income and current transfer account rose to 191.8 billion rand in the second quarter from 174.3 billion rand in the first quarter. As a ratio of GDP, the current account balance deficit widened to 2.3% in the second quarter of 2023 from 0.9% in the first quarter. Gross reserves in South Africa edged lower to $61.998 billion in August of 2023 from a record high of $62.212 billion in July. Declines were seen in foreign exchange reserves, gold reserves, and SDR holdings. Meanwhile, the forward position representing the central bank's unsettled or swap transactions fell to $0.515 billion from $0.518 billion. On a quick trip around Africa, mobile money transactions in Kenya have hit 68% of GDP as remittances continue to drive growth according to data company Global Voice Group, GVG. It is estimated that Kenyans make an average of 21.7 billion Kenya shillings worth of mobile transactions, highlighting the pivotal role mobile money plays in the economy. Data from Kenya National Bureau of Statistics for the year 2022 shows that overall value of mobile money transactions reached an outstanding 7.91 trillion Kenya shillings marking a 15% surge compared to figures reported in 2021. Increasing use of mobile money has sparked competition between mobile money wallets and commercial banks as Kenyans gradually abandon cash-based transactions, which remain dominant in favor of digitally enabled alternatives, particularly mobile money. A paper titled Data-Driven Transparency and Compliance in the Digital Finance Ecosystem in Africa by GVC shows that mobile money and remittances will continue to dominate Africa's economic development if supported with tools to boost data-driven transparency and compliance. GVG Chief Delivery Officer Edouard Docteur, however, warns that African governments must ensure the implementation of effective monitoring solutions in the mobile money and remittance sectors to combat money laundering through these new channels. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of The K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit the website, that is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial and you can find me at The Door.